Welcome to Simmering Thoughts, where hosts Ryan Akers and Chris Dean lift the lid to sample slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. You can find Simmering Thoughts by visiting our website, simmeringthoughts.podbean.com, by looking us up in Facebook, emailing simmeringthoughts at gmail.com, or following us on Twitter at SimmerThoughts. We'd love to hear from you and would appreciate any ratings and reviews you feel we've earned by posting those at Google Play and in iTunes. Settle in and enjoy. Welcome back to Simmering Thoughts. My name is Ryan Akers. I'm the host of this podcast. And joining me today is not a guest host. No, no, we have found Chris Dean. He is still in Indianapolis, even though he's been traveling a little bit. And I will let him fill you in on uh, a few of the other things that have been going on in his life that we've not been able to get together and uh, record. For me, a lot of it has just been general busyness. I haven't had anything specific busyness uh, other than an eight-year-old. Uh, but my eight-year-old is not nearly as busying as what Chris has at home. So, Chris, welcome back. We are really glad to have you. Uh, we've got a really cool episode lined up for today. But uh, before we jump into that, how's it been going? Well, I thank you so much for uh, everybody's, especially yours, uh, patience with me, a topic we might discuss today in regards to all of this. And really, outside of Having a fairly entrenched case of the flu for myself and the entire family, I've had nothing but general busyness, I guess, as well. And uh, yeah, like you said, seven kids, it has been a little bit busier probably than a lot of others, but that's okay. God is, God has kept us all happy and for now healthy, praise the Lord. And so it's good to be back. I really enjoyed listening to the, the previous episodes with the guest hosts and uh, they were really good. I'm going to have to stay on my A game to uh, not keep them from coming back and replacing me. But, uh, well, I'm here by the grace of God. So glad to be here with you guys today. Well, I am also very grateful to our uh, guest hosts that came in to help out. Uh, they are uh, folks that I greatly respect and admire through uh, what I've been able to, to get to know them on Twitter and also just uh, uh, listening to podcasts and and having them as a as a guest here i was really pleased with how well the recordings went uh, but even more so with the ease of having a conversation and that's that's not always easy when you don't know somebody to be able to sit down and and have a long-form conversation about a topic so very grateful for that and want to say thank you to them as well uh, we yeah, are continuing all. our fruit of the spirit series and with that, we are jumping into and almost jumping backwards because we've we've held this one off. Uh, Chris and I started talking about this quite a long time ago and had some notes built up. And I wanted to save that conversation for Chris. So we're going to be talking about peace tonight. Uh, we've been sitting on these notes, as I said. And so hopefully we don't end up with the paralysis of analysis problem that sometimes happens. But this is something that I've been able to think about a good bit and I've I've stumbled upon some readings and so I'm going to start our conversation as we look at peace as a fruit of the spirit. Uh, I'm going to uh, pull up William Bridge uh, wrote a book called A Lifting Up for the Downcast and it's a series of sermons he wrote explaining and preaching through Psalm 42. Specifically uh, starting with verse 11 and then working from there. And the first uh, four sermons are the only ones I've gotten to so far. I haven't finished them all off. But I want to read a small section uh, from the very first one. It goes, quote, As the Father and the Son are engaged to give peace and quietude unto the saints and people of God, so also the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is engaged to give peace unto them. For, as I may so speak with reverence, he is, as it were, the great executor of Jesus Christ, or executor of Jesus Christ, better pronounced. When Jesus died, he made his will and gave a legacy to his disciples. My peace I give unto you. And then he said, sent the comforter, the spirit from heaven on purpose to beget peace within their souls. 
Yea, the Holy Ghost is not only this executor to see his will of Christ fulfilled, but he is, as it were, our advocate. Indeed, we have but one advocate, that is Christ. But I say we have, as it were, two advocates, one in heaven above and one in our bosom. When a man sins, a godly man sins, Satan accuses him in heaven. And therefore, says John, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. But if a godly man sin, Satan doth also accuse him to himself. And therefore, says the apostle, we have the spirit within us making intercession. And says our Savior Christ, I will send another comforter. So ye read it, and it is the same word that is translated advocate. I will send you another advocate. Yea, the Spirit of the Lord is our witness also, for the Spirit shall bear witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. Now when the Spirit bears witness with a man's spirit that he is a child of God, then he hath peace and quiet. So that if you consider all these engagements, the Father engaged, the Son engaged, the Holy Ghost engaged, for the peace and quiet of God's children, must you not needs conclude this point and doctrine and say, Surely there is an inward peace and quietness of soul, which ordinarily God's people are endued withal. And uh, that as I read that, I just kept highlighting things. That's actually two smaller sections uh, I read together, but uh, I keep highlighting things and highlighting things and highlighting things as I read through because it's something that speaks so deeply. And I'm, I'm not reading it at a time when I'm not at peace. Things in my family are, are as far as life goes, pretty peaceful. Uh, things at work are pretty peaceful. Things at church are pretty peaceful. There's nothing that is a, a major disquietness going on. And yet even reading those words and, and meditating on the work of Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of God, it uh, moves me to, to recognize the peace that has been granted and the peace that is available and to think about times when it hasn't been so peaceful and to remember how uh, we're anchored into those things through, as he put it, the two advocates, Christ before the Lord and the Holy Spirit within us. Amen. That's very well said. So I guess the, the question I want to jump off with from there uh, is kind of an open-ended question. Uh, we, we have that peace is a fruit of the Spirit. We see that the Trinity, the entire Trinity involved. Where are some places that we see uh, this peace either troubled or tested uh, would be one way to take this. And I'm going to let you pick which way you go. Uh, and the other way is just to simply uh, take and, and kind of riff off of where he went uh, and move on from there with, with what is this peace that we're talking about? First of all, I'm, I'm just bursting at the seams here to talk about kind of the second of that. Peace is something that is granted and given from God. We know that God is providential, that God orchestrates his world and us as his children through his providence. And he is the one that has the ability to break into us and grant peace, not only in our spirits and our souls and our hearts, in the soteriological concept through salvation, but also circumstantially as well. Given our, our primary identity is in Christ as Christians, we do have, as Philippians 4, 7, I believe it says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so that is our primary default circumstance as a believer. When we are in Christ, when our mind is renewed and we are focused on the heavenly things, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. When we're focused on the things of God, we our default position is to be at peace. And so when we are not focusing on that due to the cares of the world, due to the sin which besets in, in, our, in our flesh that we're still battling, due to just the trials, the tribulations, the cares of this world that distract and divide us from the awareness of who we are 
fulfilled and complete already in Christ with that perfect peace, that's when we have that disquietude. It's when we take our eyes off of the finished work of Christ on our behalf that will continue on. As we know, he who began that good work in us will bring it to completion. And and we're still sinners, yes. And, and I can speak as one who is nowhere near the man in God that I should be. And it is easy for me to still focus on the world, frankly, more much of the time than it is on my Savior or my sin more than my God. And so as a result, I tend to have seasons where I am not at that peace. I don't have that peace which surpasses understanding. I do care about myself and and my flesh and my desires more than God. And I do grieve and quench the spirit in that. But nevertheless, while we are unfaithful, he remains faithful to ever make intercession for us. Father, Son, and Spirit. It's Him who works in and through us for His own good pleasure, and He governs that through providence. We're still responsible for our sin, but God orchestrates the circumstances so that He will grant us repentance. He will put us back on that straight and narrow, and we will give Him the glory in that process when He renews our minds, when He brings us back to that place of awareness of who we are in Him because of what He has done through His gospel of peace. And so the things of the world may come and go, but they do not compare to the eternal weight of glory that we've already entered into, in a sense, through this eternal life, through this down payment of the Spirit. We've been justified, we're being sanctified, and we are guaranteed to be glorified. And the awareness of that, of what he has already begun in us, really does, in the words there of Philippians 4, 7, it's in those moments when we get it, when, when we have moments of clarity, when our mind is renewed, it really does surpass, transcend all understanding. Our hearts ultimately are guarded. Our minds are guarded in Christ Jesus. And we have such extraordinary joy and peace in those moments that are really an earthly foretaste of the eternal heavenly glory and, and joy that we are going to have perfectly one day. And it's so sweet. It's so wonderful. And so the key is to focus back on God, his works, his wills, his ways, his nature, as much as possible, and focus on that finished work so that he gets the glory and we take our minds off our present circumstances as much as you know he will allow that to happen. And with that, I want to go into a little bit of a uh, scripture seek and find. Uh, My favorite. <laughs> so those of you who are listening, if you, if you want to try to uh, keep up with this, I encourage and commend liberal use of the pause button. Uh, <laughs> often we are not going to use the word encourage or commend liberal uses of things, especially related to the Bible. But the pause button is one of those things. Uh, so what we want to do, I've, I'm going to talk about some things uh, that I noticed in Scripture specifically, some actions of the Spirit of the Father of the mm. Son in relationship to peace uh, and how that is, is related to us as well. Uh, and I'm going to start talking about Luke 2. And Luke 2, we all know, is the birth of Christ being told. Uh, and that whole sequence, there are several different things, but I specifically want to bring out verse 14, the cry of the angels. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. We're announcing the birth of Christ with an announcement of peace. Now, yes, it's a greeting, and you can read it that way. I've seen it interpreted as just a greeting, but I don't think it's just a greeting. I think there is uh, a definite connection to who is Christ. Indeed. That there is peace sent to earth. There is peace sent now among men. Uh, and I think that's a key part of that, uh, among other things in that sequence. But that's the one that I wanted to highlight. Also, in, in terms of peace being sent, uh, I have Isaiah 66, 12. And I got to get there myself. I'm using a paper Bible today, so 
I may miss a little bit here and there. Gas. Here's what. It, yes, I know. My paper Bible. Uh, here we go. This says, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I extend peace to her like a river. Speaking of uh, Jerusalem uh, specifically, that's in verse 10 where it specifically points out Jerusalem. Uh, be joyful with Jerusalem and rejoice for her, all who love her. And so we don't change that context when we get uh, over here to verse 12. Behold, I extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you will be nursed, you will be carried on the hip and fondled on the knees as one whom his mother comforts. So I will comfort you and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. And so we see we see peace being extended, peace being sent from God to the people. We see that peace is given and left. And you could almost read this in, in a same idea as peace being sent, but I think it's a little bit different. Uh, and that is John 14. We've already had a reference to that from William Bridge. But here we have Christ speaking to the disciples and saying that he's going to leave an advocate with them, mm -hmm. an advocate that that will give them words, an advocate that will bring comfort to them, an advocate uh, that will guide them. And I think that's a really important part of it, the whole picture for us. Uh, as we look back also in the Old Testament, I'm, gonna, I'm bouncing between testaments. I apologize for that. I hope everybody's okay here. Uh, we have Leviticus 26, 6. Ooh, going way back there. I'm going way back in. Uh, I did some digging. Uh, and this reads, I shall also grant peace in the land so that me, you may lie down and with no one making you tremble. I shall also eliminate harmful beasts from the land and no sword will pass through your land, but you will chase your enemies and they will fall before you by the sword. And it continues to talk in that vein for a little while. But again, we see that idea of peace being given peace being handed to the people mm -hmm. uh, being sent again is, is kind of the context there. But, but I think it's also uh, a little bit more toward the idea of being given. I will grant not, I will uh, make you, make you earn or make you uh, give you peace sure. because you did this, but I will grant you peace. Uh, and again, this is looking forward to in, in so many ways, looking forward to, the New Testament. Let me interject something. Yeah, go for it. Let me interject something here. I just thought of this. You were talking about Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest, and a peace among those with whom he is pleased. The verses that came directly to mind after that for me goes back to prophecies of Jesus, Jesus in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Government shall be upon his shoulder. These are all familiar verses. This. Mm -hmm. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Yes. Jesus, his, by his nature, his name is peace. And of the increase of government and of peace, there will be no end. Jesus is defined by peace. And he, what does he do? He comes to bring peace, just like you said. Yes. Uh, also there in Luke, Simeon, he gives his prayer of blessing. He says uh, in verse 29 there in chapter 2, now, Lord, you're releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word, for I have seen your salvation. I've seen your salvation. Now yep. I have peace. Uh, I think yep. that, that was something that, as you mentioned, uh, the Isaiah passage that popped into my mind. Uh, the next thing that I have on my list is that peace is something that is mm. sought and pursued. And I have Psalm 34 written down for that. We look at verse 11. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Uh, and then just this week, uh, I've been reading in James as part of my morning uh, reading time. And James 3 closes, uh, starting at 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, 
unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we have that idea of, of right before that where we're talking about wisdom, like back a chapter. We have the, the idea of praying for wisdom. And then we come into chapter three and we have talking about where what wisdom does. Uh, so one, we're going to pray for wisdom. Here's what wisdom looks like. And in there, the seed whose fruit yeah. is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So this is something that is sought, something that is pursued, something that is made. Uh, and we seek that from God. We cannot seek peace anywhere else, mm-hmm. as is clear in Scripture. Peace can be withdrawn was another concept that I saw. Uh, if you see Jeremiah 16.5. I'll read it for you. For thus says the Lord, do not enter the house of mourning or go to lament and grief for them. For I have taken away my peace from this people, my steadfast love and mercy, declares the Lord. And we also have a similar thought in Revelation 6. Uh, and we're, we're here jumping into, hold on, did I write that down right? 6-4? I did. I did write it right. Uh, we're jumping into the seals. I don't always trust my handwriting. That's why I double clutched. Uh, and another red horse went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given him. Peace taken from the earth. So we're going to take away peace. It's withdrawn. Who's in charge of the peace? Who's sending the taker away of peace? That's God. God in so, his providence again. Exactly. He can send peace. He can withdraw peace. Uh, I have an ish on the next one. So this is mostly a clean <laughs> connection, but I think it's still there. Uh, and that is Romans 5.1, that peace can be shared. Oh. Peace can be shared. Oh, amen. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult Amen. in hope of the glory of God. We have peace with God. We can share peace with God Amen. through Christ. That is one of the, the core truths of what I was hoping we could communicate tonight. As uh, Christians, we have this peace, and it's like Jesus said in one of the one of, one of the gospels it's not peace as the world knows it it's peace that Jesus comes to bring to us it's peace through Jesus because of the gospel the, the gospel is the gospel of peace and so what did he do to break down that dividing wall and reconcile us to God he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Second Corinthians 5.21, the word peace is not in there, but he made the peace by the sheer fact of the good news that he took the penalty from us for our eternal and infinite offense against God. Jesus bore that fully, wholly, totally. It is finished, he said, and now there is no condemnation ever because we are in Christ that that peace in joy is there and that's something that we so often for, again forget as Christians going back to what I was talking about before especially to those who believe we can lose our salvation how do we know if we ever really have real peace with God if he's just waiting to get mad at us and pounce the next moment we just might do something wrong but no 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 we as Christians we have true peace once for all finished completed by god for god through us for his glory now and forever and that can really put us at peace knowing that there's nothing that we can do that can separate us from the love of god nothing externally can happen to us neither height nor depth nor angels or principalities nor anything past present or to come or even us we can't do anything to separate us from the love of god when the, the when we get that we have true, amazing peace to know that God loves us unconditionally. 
because we can't earn our salvation. We never will. We never deserve it. It's something, as you said, it's granted to us by the, the sheer infinite grace and mercy of God. And because of that, we can then say, Abba, Father, and look to him and do all the other things that he wants us to do to share that peace with others. And this is, I may be getting ahead a little bit of where you wanted to go here, Ryan, but the concept of peace, in my studies, looking through all these verses and others, peace is primarily a soteriological term. Yes, there is peace that's circumstantial. God can give peace in this world. He can cause harmony to exist in the world for a season uh, in, in non-salvific terms through his providence. But primarily, again, through our identity as Christians, we have peace with God, and therefore we are able to live at peace with one another, especially those who are in the church, but even those who are outside of the church. We have that at, at peace, that harmony, that tranquility, and we are called to go forth knowing that peace is a salvation understanding. We are called to go forth and then share that with others. You, went, you talked about James 3, 17 and 18. It says a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Mm -hmm. That harvest of righteousness, use the term harvest. What does that refer to? That refers to, in a sense, evangelism is sown in peace. There's effort. There's labor. Harvesters go out into the fields that are ripe for harvest. We sow peace. We sow the good word of God. Beautiful are the feet that go into the world to share this gospel this good news of peace. And yes, all we can do is plant the seeds. We can give evidence of that through our, our righteous life by the way we love one another. We can make plausible words of wisdom. It's the spirit that brings the increase in the hearts of the individuals. And it's our desire to make that peace, though, by the agency and the energy of the Holy Spirit. We want to see people come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. We want to see people have that faith that surpasses under or that peace that surpasses understanding like we have had because we didn't deserve it. We were enemies and rebels against God, and we've become those ambassadors of peace to say, come be reconciled to God. Come have peace, eternal peace once and for all through the Lord. Set down your your, your rebellion, your will, your desires of your own. Submit yourself to the Lord and he will commit your steps. He will make firm your plans as you seek him first, his kingdom, his righteousness, in a sense, his peace, his harvest of righteousness of peace. He'll give you, paraphrasing Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he'll give you everything you need. He'll give you that peace. He'll give you that joy. He'll give you everything you need for life and godliness. Sorry, rant over. No, you're good. Actually, there was a connection in there. You mentioned 2 Corinthians 5, 21, and said that the word peace is not there, and you're right that it's not in that verse. But if we go backwards just a sliver, it's not the word peace, but it's the process of peace being restored that comes in. Mm. And that is starting in... Uh, verse 18. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely mm -hmm. that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though Hallelujah. God were making an appeal through us, we mm -hmm. beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then comes the verse that you mentioned. He made him to, uh, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And beautiful that dovetails so wonderfully with the next verse I was going to mention. Uh, and that's Colossians 1.20. Uh, I mean, it's just like, mm -hmm. it hits it right out of the park. Uh, so that was why I was really glad that you mentioned that reference. I'm going to go back just a sliver uh, in front of 20 and start at 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile, there's that word again, 
all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And so there's that, that reconciliation. There's the making of peace through the shed blood of Christ, whether it's the, the, the peace of the sinner being granted peace with God, who can, who the sinner sharing peace with God, whether it's two sinners who have been saved reconciling with each other, which is one of the things I know we're going to get to here in a little bit. Uh, But you have that idea of finding and seeing peace in Christ. And you mentioned that earlier, that as we look to the cross, as we, as we keep our eyes on Christ, the peace that he brings through his blood is where it starts. And that's, I think also uh, where bridge was going, where, where Christ is our advocate with the father in speaking on our behalf and being our behalf before the father, he became sin who knew no sin. That's exactly where that comes from that concept. And so mm-hmm. uh, we, we get that, that, ability to experience peace from Christ. And I want to then take that and pivot it because there are those who really struggle in this area. Mm-hmm. There are folks where having a sense of peace, whether it's on a daily basis, an hourly basis, whether it's monthly, whatever, there are folks who really struggle to rest in peace. They struggle to have a sensation of peace. And that's one of the really big things uh, that William Bridge catches into and speaks about is that that a verse that comes to mind. Let me preface this here for for you is uh, the closing benediction of Second Thessalonians, actually, is Second Thessalonians 316. Now, may the Lord of peace. There you go. God defines himself through fall in the spirit. The Lord of peace, that's his nature. That's what he wants. That's who he is. And when we're in Christ, we're in that. We're partakers of that. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. That's his desire to constantly give that to us. And to those of you who think that you're not deserving of it, you're not worthy of it, I'll never achieve it, God doesn't really care, yes, he does. That is his charge to his people, tap into this spiritual power, this peace, this state of being that I've created you as your new born again nature. Your default mode is to be at peace. Be who you are fully already perfectly in Christ by looking to him alone. And you will have peace at all times and in every way. Again, it's not going to happen perfectly in this world. It only will in heaven. But it's achievable. It is very much capable. And that is the desire of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in all their respective ways to ever live, to make intercession, yeah. comfort for us before the Father. And I'm not a name it, claim it kind of guy, but believe <laughs> it. God, God will vindicate your confidence in him. Lord, this is what your word says. I'm holding you to it. I have nowhere to go. I trust in you alone. I think this is one of those places where this is the appropriate place for that idea of naming <laughs> and claiming, as opposed to the prosperity gospel folks who are yep. are going to tell you that you're naming and claiming other things. Um, we're not talking about, as I saw today on Twitter, a post somebody saying that if uh, a car that you know mm. you, you if you want a car say that it's God's will and it will happen. And I, mm. you, my head just about exploded. I was very careful yeah, very to not sad. respond to that when I wanted to. Uh, some other people mm-hmm. took care of that for me. I didn't need to pile on. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you know, there are those who truly struggle with depression, truly struggle uh, through anxiety and through uh, different uh, I don't want to call them illnesses necessarily, disorders. Some of them are illnesses. Some mm-hmm. of them are chemical. Some of them are relational. Uh, but there are different seasons that we all go through. Uh, I've gone through some similar times 
not necessarily a chemical situation, but a life situation um, in a variety of different times in my life where it was difficult to feel peace. Uh, my life felt like it had been turned upside down, that it had been turned over, mm -hmm. uh, that there was a constant churn going through the entire day, and there was a churn about everything. Nothing was stable. Uh, I was in a storm. Uh, and, and one of the things I just recently taught in Sunday school, we're working our way through the book of Mark uh, in my Sunday school class, and we were in the middle of Mark 4, and we looked at uh, the first time that Jesus and the disciples are on a stormy sea together. And this time he's in the boat, and he's asleep, and the disciples are freaking out. Don't you care, Lord, that we're going to drown? And he answers, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? So he questions their faith. They're in the middle of the storm. Now, this is a different situation than we face today. But they're in the middle of the storm. They have God with them in, in the person of Jesus Christ. And they are afraid. Now, they're afraid for their life as some of them professional fishermen on a ship that they're probably fairly familiar with in terms of how it functions and on a body of water that they're very familiar with and they're panicking mm -hmm. so this is not a normal situation this is a dire situation it's not just your average bad time this is a dire difficult moment and so they're scared and they're panicking and they run to christ and say don't you care and i think we can sometimes do that yep. and i think as oh, we yeah. look in the psalms we see david do that all over the place yep. he runs to god saying i'm scared i'm upset i'm worried i know your god show me your god <laughs> help me remember your mm -hmm. god yep. and those are those are healthy things to say they are healthy questions to ask when we take them and then we run to scripture for the answer who the situation there on the Sea of Galilee. Right. They ran. As you mentioned. Yeah. In the middle of the storm, who do they run to? They run to the word. Yep. So we, we need to have faith in the middle of the storm, through the middle mm -hmm. of the storm, and trust on the peace that we're given through the Holy Spirit while we're in the storm. We have promises of yep. an inheritance set aside, sealed, imperishable, it's not going away. It's there forever, sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so through the peace that that brings us in the middle of the storm, yes, we can feel the storm. Yes, it's okay to be to, to struggle with that anxiety, but where do we run for our answer? And there are many yep. ways that you can run to the, to the word for that answer and still be treated in a modern sense of the word treated but that the the core center of it is on the rock and on that that the the reconciliation of Christ realize everybody that the storm that the disciples went through the literal physical storm there on the sea of galilee was something that was perfectly known of before the foundation of the world by our providential god and yet god allowed that not only allowed that, but actually cultivated that situation to happen. We may not know every specific reason why he did, but we do know that he does work all things together for good. And I think because it was inscripturated, it is set as a good example for us to look to exactly like you said, what did they do in the moment? They looked to the word Jesus, you know, the, the physical word in a sense, the embodiment of what, who and what scripture is right there to say, if you only had faith, and they did, they trusted, they fulfilled, in a sense, the word that Peter quoted later, Lord Jesus, to whom shall we go? Yeah. You're the one that has eternal life. And so they knew, and, and they had the realization that when they looked at the things of this world, the cares of the world, the big storm, they were troubled. They didn't have that peace. But when they looked to Jesus, everything was calmed, and God may have allowed that storm to abate, but 
there are times in our lives today in equivalently providential circumstances, whatever happens in this fallen, broken world where we do have trials, tribulations, temptations, we're in a groaning and broken world under the curse. Our bodies are not are spiritually redeemed, but are, are being renewed, but physically we're still broken and we do have that, those broken illnesses, those conditions that we're still besetting in us physically in a sense. But those aren't, those aren't accidents. That's not something that's unknown by God. That's something that God has allowed and engendered indeed to work together for our good somehow. In, and his ways are higher than our ways, and I can't profess to know them all, but God indeed does grant us that peace, that awareness of who we are in him in those moments that when we are at the end of ourselves, Lord, to whom shall we go? You're the word. You're the one that has the words, the gospel of eternal peace before us, O oh Lord. And, and knowing, I found a good proof text. Oh, where was it? Uh, there we go. Romans 5, 1. I think you may have quoted that earlier. Mm -hmm. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, knowing who we are in Christ, we have peace. It's, it's, I'm sure in the Greek that's kind of a, a present perfect, a one-time beginning that has a, an, an unlimited in, you know, finished status. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, even when it doesn't feel like it, when we feel like we're we're lost, alone, we're separated, we're forgotten, we're hurting, we don't understand why God does what he does or allows what he does. We have to go back to the word and realize we have that peace. Our identity is as peacemakers who are called sons of God, having that finished once for all established peace with him. And our feelings may deceive us, but the word of God remains and we fix ourselves on that and our minds are renewed over and over. The Spirit will wash us through that and bring us through no matter what the storm is. Absolutely. And, you know, there is, there is a difference between situational, life situational struggles and storms and between mental illness struggles and storms. Those two things are different. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and the, the mental illness, the, the chemical imbalances, which are usually present in those, uh, whether it is a, uh, a long-term situation or a short-term situation, uh, it is important to be treated for that as well as being, uh, striving after learning more about the spirit and, and taking hold Most of the spirit. And so we neither one of us want to go uh, to and sound like we're being flippant toward that at all. No, uh, definitely I, not. Both of us have this in our families and we've talked about it online yes. and off air and that, that this is something that, that is really important and we don't want to treat that flippantly. These we're talking about a uh, in, in most of the discussion today about the general idea uh, and, and not necessarily digging into every individual situation and moment. Uh, and so there, I want to make that distinction so that we're not misunderstood uh, that, you know, there are times when you can run to the spirit and your body is fighting you uh, yes. almost, almost to where you're going to feel like Paul sounds in Romans seven uh, and, and, uh, your will is saying, I want to trust and your body just isn't allowing you to. Uh, and that mm -hmm. is a little different situation than what we're necessarily focusing on. The spirit is involved in that healing as well. This, the, the peace that comes through the spirit is involved in that healing as well. But there's uh, some, some specialty help that goes beyond the scope of what we're talking about today. Uh, and I'm not yes. qualified to go there. Uh, to, to really dig into what that looks like. Um, but that is, that is certainly something that's there. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, the, I, the, the concept of peace between believers. Uh, we've asked the question quite a bit, what happens 
what why is it that we struggle with this so much and i think we've can't covered that for a fair bit um but i think also the idea of of what are the repercussions when we don't pursue peace uh, what are the things that happen to churches that happen to families that happen to other relationships when we aren't being that ambassador of peace and reconciliation that we're called to be uh, and again james seems to be rather helpful on this front uh, to get our minds wrapped around this immediately after the section we read earlier at the end of chapter three we get to the beginning of chapter four starting in verse one what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you is it not is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members you lust and don't have so you commit murder you're envious and can't obtain so you fight and quarrel you do not have because you do not ask you, do, you ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Uh, and basically he's saying here, uh, why are you in your quarrels and conflicts? Well, you're seeking things for yourself. Uh, it, it goes on uh, in verse 5. He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. So it's referencing back uh, into a, uh, an Old Testament reference. I don't have my reference Bible open, uh, but that's where it's referencing back. Mm -hmm. speak, speak, scripture speaks to that specifically. And then it goes on in verse 6, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit to God. And it talks about, uh, right after that, cleansing your hands, purifying your hearts, Mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom, which to me just screams Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes. Uh, <laughs> humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Don't speak against one another. Uh, he who speaks against a brother judges his brother, uh, speaks against the law. And so as you see this, these are things where um, the, 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 the idea is we're going against one another rather than seeking to walk with one another. And I, I think that that idea of the quarrels and the conflicts among us, the lack of peace, you see what that leads to. You see that it leads to fractures in families, fractures in churches. Mm -hmm. uh, there's and, and we're all guilty of it. I mean, look at, I saw a funny thing on Twitter, they were making the comment that it seems like an awful lot of Twitter is people seeking refuge from Facebook. Uh, <laughs> and then you read Twitter for a while and a good bit of Twitter is complaining about Twitter and about how people behave and that we're constantly backbiting, that we're constantly, uh, was it Galatians that talks about devouring one another? Mm. We do that both in that setting, but I think back to the the pre-digital age and then it was done differently it was done through uh the 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 telephone it was done in whisper campaigns it was done by you know the somebody calling and telling a story to the operator who shared it with somebody else or letter yep. writing campaigns or this is not this it's it's a new technology we see it a different way but these things are not new the heart of man isn't changed and we have these same conflicts. The source of the conflicts is our sin. Yep. The, the lust and the pride of life that's, that's within us still. And hearing you quote all this reminds me of a book that I've read in years past. It was an excellent book. I really didn't consult it for today's podcast, but it's uh, the, the Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. And he talks about three different types of peaceful people, in a sense. And, and all of us fit into this in one of you know, many ways, three ways. We're either a, a true peacemaker, as we as Christians are supposed to be, and we've talked about it here, how we reconcile as we are reconciled with God. We are to reconcile ourselves to one another and, in turn, the world to Christ when we do it on God's terms and using God's methods and ways. But when we 
attempt some of that either in our own strength or our own wisdom or just flat out in our own malicious sin, we either become one of the other two or both of the other two. Instead of a peacemaker, we become either a peace faker or a peace breaker. And those were, I thought, really quotable terms there. And they kind of are self-explanatory. A peace faker is somebody who may desire some sort of tranquility, but they're willing to do it on their own terms and for selfish reasons, rather than seeking out the best will of everybody, uh, the best for everybody involved according to the will of God, which is, again, reconciliation primarily one to another because of what he has done first through us. And so somebody can't come to peace with somebody else. If you, if you have something against your brother, you can't even go to God. So you've got to get yourself right with one another before you can properly have some sort of reconciliation, even in the moment with God. And so when we, when we become peacemakers on our own terms, it's oftentimes insidious and, and subtly wrong. We become those peace fakers. And then a peace breaker is flat out one who's a little more malicious about it. And they either don't want it or they want it no matter what the cost and they just don't care about it. There's many ways it, it could be fulfilled, but we're all peacemakers in a sense, real ones or, or, or fake ones. And so we all need to you know, remember that because we all bear the responsibility of God to be these carriers of peace in this world. And we will all be held to account for how we do that. And that is a sobering thought. <laughs> yeah, thoroughly, in fact. Yeah, I mean, it, you... actually, actually it, it reminds me of something else. If I can jump back to the Old Testament here briefly, uh, there are many places, uh, for example, Isaiah, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 13. There's many places where it talks about how God is opposed to, in this case, the Old Testament prophets or false prophets. But I would say the analogy can be brought one to another today in the church age, where if you know, we say, hey, peace, peace, but there is no peace. God will oppose you for that. Yes. And so God will confront that. And so there is consequence. We are called to be peacemakers. And if we are not, we will. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ, never, nevertheless. But for those people, especially who are bringing this in, in a consistently wrong fashion, your reward is gone or you are heaping up condemnation against you because you are speaking ostensibly for God even, even though you, you're not. You might be a false believer or a false prophet in a modern-day sense. You're bringing the word wrong, and you're blaspheming the name of Christ. You're bringing reproach upon him. And so it, it's really incumbent upon us to test ourselves, to recognize who we are in Christ, and then to bring his will, his wisdom to bear in these situations, what his desires are. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in our very own circumstances and not primarily what we want, not our lust, not our desires, so that we won't fight and quarrel. But we are content because God in his providence is governing these situations so that we may not get what we want, but what we have got is perfectly good and needed because we already have all that we need for life and godliness through the, the peaceful work of Jesus Christ and his, through his blood on the cross because we are already reconciled with him. And God has determined that is what we need. And we don't need anything more than what he gives us in the circumstances because we've primarily got him and the knowledge of him. So when we approach one another, we should do it with the larger perspective of God's will and God's providence in mind here, trusting that he's the one that can change somebody's heart. We're, we're going to be held to account for our awareness and knowledge of that and how we shared that with others. So yes, like you said, it is a, a very sobering thought, but praise the Lord for those who are Christians, there's no condemnation in Christ. We really oh, do yeah. have ultimate peace. In the moment, we might grieve and quench the spirit, we, but we know that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, 
to cleanse us from unrighteousness. And when we are erring, where we do stumble in many ways, he will be that loving father. And in an enduring act of peace, he will grant us repentance and put us back on the straight and narrow, have our minds renewed before him, realizing again who we really are in Christ, ones who are peacemakers, so that we can go forth and put that peace on display for the world to see again. That brought to my mind uh, the William Bridge book again. <laughs> and he spends mm, wow. several pages of the, uh, of, I, for me, it's not pages. It's, it's screen clicks on that one. That is one I'm on Kindle with. Uh, but he spends what to me was several pages uh, going through the idea that there are there are different experiences we have of peace. There is the peace of the moment, and then there is abiding peace. Mm. And we have that abiding peace even in the moments when we've sinned. And that's where he was going with yeah. that, that quote I mentioned at the beginning. That's kind of the section that that comes from is that even in the face of our sin, we have that abiding peace. Hallelujah. And in it, yes, our, our, we will be troubled for a time because of our sin and we'll be troubled in our spirits before the Lord. But as we lay that before the Lord, the abiding peace of Christ will come to us. And and we still have hope. Yeah, and looking at as you were also going through that, my I turned right to Ephesians four. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul speaking, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit. In the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, mm -hmm. just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, not to the measure of our gift the measure of Christ's gift to us. And so we have that idea of the having humility and tolerance and patience with one another, being gentle with one another, leading to peace, that we do that through mm. the Spirit in the bond of... We do it from our peace as much as we do it to gain peace. Mm -hmm. So we make peace from the hope we have in Christ by serving others and thinking of others more highly than ourselves, or as exactly. Christ put it, that he who would be first must be the servant of all. And yep. so by serving exactly. others, we can create peace with others. That ambassador well of reconciliation we talked about earlier, that we can, we can bring, we can serve the kingdom as reconcilers, as servants. And yes, there are times to, I guess, rattle someone's cage, but there's a way to do that without being harsh. There's a way to do that even in gentleness, uh, as Galatians puts it, that we're supposed to restore one who's in sin gently, not yes. to dispose of them, which is unfortunately sometimes what we find ourselves doing. Is, is that harshness that we respond to each other with. Um, so I guess as we when wrap done, up... When done in love with the ultimate aim of peace, we know that discipline, which is something biblically instituted in many spheres of authority, yes. it, to, to quote there from Hebrews 13, discipline is painful you know, in, in its season for the moment, but to those who are trained by it will come the peaceful fruit of righteousness absolutely and i think i'm going to leave it right there because uh, we were getting to a wrap-up point anyway uh and so to to wrap that that whole concept together uh we see that peace is ground in who god is we have the trinity the perfect will and perfect peace of the trinity 
being shown to us, given to us, put within us, not only is it who God is, but it is what God has done in reconciling us. It is the promise he grants to us. It is what he's blessed us with, peace with him, peace with others. And it's the blessing that he's promised to give us for eternity. Amen. And those are the things that we've talked about in every fruit of the spirit, that it is a reflection of who God is, what God has done, what he is promising to do for us, how he has already blessed us and how he promises to bless us in the in the future. And so as, as we look at the last questions of how do we encourage each other, I think it's right there. I think it is. We remind each other of who God is. We develop in this by reminding ourselves of who God is. And if if we don't if we're not noticing peace within us, we go back to who God is and that peace will build within us. I think Isaiah 52 seven is the, is a perfect summary of this. It's talking about the future coming context of the savior and his kingdom in, in the world. But it, it speaks to the church just as much as it prophesies directly about that coming Messiah, Jesus, as we know him uh, himself. And it speaks, but here both in terms of, I think evangelism as well as the way that we interact with one another. Isaiah 52, seven, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news. That's us in evangelism, in encouraging, exhorting, admonishing, equipping one another in love, in the church, brothers and sisters. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation. These are all different ways of saying the same thing. The gospel of peace, reconciliation with God. It's a peaceful, joyful work, news of the work that God has done to reconcile us unto him. And then who says to Zion, your God reigns. We are making the world know who our God of peace is and say his perfect peace will reign in this world and in your hearts, both now and forever and ever and ever. There is no improvement I can make upon that ending. And so I'll end with simply amen. And amen. Coming and soon amen. to a theater near you or a podcast catcher will be our next episode. We thank <sighs> you for listening to Simmering Thoughts. Uh, my name is Ryan Akers. You can find me online all over the place uh, under my name, last name spelled A-K-E-R-S. So I'm on uh, Facebook uh, with that name. You can email me at bandmanacres at gmail.com and take the username of that and you can find me on Twitter at bandmanacres. Uh, I'm there quite often. We do have Simmering Thoughts on Twitter at Simmer Thoughts. Also, uh, we are Simmering Thoughts at gmail.com. And you can find our website, simmeringthoughts.podbean.com. Chris is on Facebook and Twitter and email as well, and I'll let him fill you in on his contact information. Yep. Uh, I've been on social media a little less lately, honestly. I'm trying to simply manage my time better, redeem the time better, be responsible for my large brood better. (laughs) And so I'm still on it probably more than I should, but uh, I'm on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Chris Dean, simple as that. And on Twitter, I'm similarly on twitter.com forward slash Dean Chris in that case. And anybody can email me at chris at chrisdean.org. I still and love I that email to address. Keeping in touch with y'all. Yes, we do want to keep in touch. Uh, please email us, send us feedback. Whether it's uh, if you have something where you're not hearing the podcast well, or if there's a con uh, something in the content you want us to cover again, uh, whatever con- questions you have for us, uh, comments you have for us, encouragements you have for us, discouragements you have mm-hmm. for us, we would love <laughs> to hear from you. Uh, because we, we want to do this in a way that will uh, edify those who listen to it and that will honor and build up 
all of us in this process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to honor the Lord as we do it. And if we're falling short in a way, uh, we would definitely want to know that. And if we're being successful, we also would definitely want to know that. Uh, that would be an encouragement to us. And with that, we hope you have a wonderful week and that you experience the love and joy and peace available through Christ. <laughs>